heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 29. Would you rise in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel? <clears throat> but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, for she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell him where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the door of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We have the children's message, Why Doubting Thomas Doubted, and we don't have any children in the sanctuary, but I'm sure we have some online. And we have uh, had a difficult uh, time. Uh, could we have the first slide of the cleaning products? Thank you. <clears throat> when we see this slide of the cleaning products, we think about the past year 
and how we've had to be so careful to keep everything clean. We were facing an unseen situation. The pandemic or fears of the COVID virus, although we could not see it, we knew it existed. We trusted Dr. Fauci, Dr. Gupta, Dr. Burks, and others to advise us about wearing masks, social distancing, using hand sanitizer, and keeping things wiped down and clean. The existence of the virus was one of the biggest problems I've had to deal with in my lifetime. Although the fear of polio was huge when I was about the age of most of the children who are viewing online, we could not see the virus, but we knew that it existed. Believing in things we can't see is a part of the lesson we learn from our Bible verses today. Have you ever missed out on something? I remember having chicken pox as a child, a disease from the past thanks to more immunizations, and missing out on a dancing recital for my first debut as a ballerina in my pink tutu. I've always been disappointed about it. Have any of you missed out on anything? Anyone in the sanctuary have anything to share about what they may have missed, Cliff? I'm not going to share, but I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? When I was young, people used to say, Children should be seen and not heard. I'd be at a family function, and since I was not supposed to speak, which is a habit that people don't do anymore with children, which I think is great, I would find my mind drifting off to thoughts of twirling my baton, riding my bike, playing with dolls, or having fun with my friends. People would begin to laugh, and I would ask about what was so funny. They would be laughing so hard that they couldn't speak to even tell me. That made me angry. But it was really my fault, wasn't it, for not paying attention. In today's Bible lesson, we hear that pretty much of the same thing happened to Thomas. Jesus had told the disciples to stay together. Thomas did not listen and did not stay with the other disciples. Since Thomas was not with the disciples, he missed out seeing the resurrected Jesus. Remember, resurrection means he arose from being dead. When he found out what he had missed, he got upset and told the other disciples, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you saw the resurrected Jesus. Thomas was a lot like me when I was younger. He was upset with everyone else, even though it was his own fault for not paying attention. Guess what? Thomas learned from his mistake. After his error, he decided to pay better attention to what Jesus told him to do. He rejoined the disciples. Because he responded that way, he had a second chance to see the resurrected Jesus. The same thing that's true for Thomas is true for us. We're invited to follow Jesus together as we learn what Jesus taught and prayed with one another. If we lose our attention, we are given second chances to try again. As we work as a Christian team, we learn about the, <clears throat> excuse me, better understand who Jesus is. <clears throat> In other words, 
we gather together to learn about Jesus, what he teaches, and get a second chance to see the resurrected Jesus. That is the good news for today. Let's do an echo prayer together. I'll say a line and you'll repeat it. Dear God, thank you for each other and how we can help each other. Better see and know Jesus and you. Thank you. Amen. Excuse me. Pastor Monica and I have a lot in common. We have the same initials, we admire butterflies, and we adore our Lord. We have both taught second grade, and we love books. We like to share books back and forth, and I'm going to be using the one that she just gave me recently, and it is the next seven words of Christ. I will be using some of the examples and illustrations from the book in our Who Are You Looking For sermon. When Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, she went and bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels standing in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, you have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, You have carried him away. Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Robani, which means teacher. How could she not have recognized Jesus? I had talked in a previous sermon about the night my father passed away. I discussed it when I was the keynote speaker for the concert to benefit the Pocono Hospice House. We were called to the bedside as the medical staff knew the time was very near. It was one of the most stressful days of my life. As we neared the bed, I thought it was the doctor, adjusting items and making him more comfortable. I was shocked to come to the conclusion that it was my brother helping him. The man had been my brother for 50 years at that time. I could hardly bring myself to my senses to recognize him. So for Mary, in her role in life with Jesus, I can understand her thought processes. For most of us, mistaking Jesus for the gardener is the least of our problems. The pace of our hectic lives not only leaves us unable to see the work of God around us, but it keeps us from realizing our need for God in the first place. Stumbling through Christ's presence at the tomb means little to those of us 
who have never made the journey at all. It's not that we can't find who we are looking for. Rather, like my friend, let me see if I skip to the wrong page here. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm correct. We um, think that we just don't know what we're going to be doing and moving forward with. One of the stories from the next seven words of Christ is about a Methodist pastor who had been up most of the previous night and had a need to shop in a local department store on a Saturday morning. As he neared a woman, she exclaimed, I can't reach that box. She was looking at a large box of tissues. She expressed that she had been called for help but had not received any. She went on to say, it's been like this all morning. I, I can't get anyone to listen or care about what I'm saying. Her eyes filled up with tears, and she turned to look for, of all things, a tissue. The minister asked the lady if she would like to talk about it. He introduced himself as the pastor of the Methodist church down the street. The pastor thought, after his lack of sleep, that the idea of counseling someone in a store did not seem too appealing. He looked for a place for them to sit down. He found a suitable spot and they began to chat and converse about her situation. Naturally, since it was both their first experiences with therapy in a department store, she was especially apprehensive. She went on to share her story of a failing marriage, a dysfunctional family, and life spinning out of control. As they continued to talk, she seemed to be doing better, and the pastor prayed with her and gave her his business card. She said, I guess sometimes God helps us find things we don't even know we are looking for. As they left one another, she realized that she had not gotten the tissues. Who are we looking for? We want to keep our eyes on Christ. As we're experiencing spring, and this morning when I went out to get the newspaper at 6.30, the birds were absolutely beautiful, just to hear that sound. This past week, we did have some beautiful days, and I have felt that Jesus was with me as the daffodils were dancing in the breeze and as the bunnies scurried around our yard and Ted's favorite bird, a robin, was joined by what looked a nice flock of them in our front yard. The smell of spring is a joy as well. As we look around at nature, how could it have been created by anyone other than God? The book I'm sharing with you had a few paragraphs about one father's experience on a spring day with his daughter. Ronnie was outside with his daughter, Emily. The neighbors noticed that the family was deeply spiritual. It was even evident in the children. As Ronnie was weeding, he noticed that Emily was looking at a gardenia bush that had only one bloom on it. After pondering it for a few minutes, she turned to her father and said, Daddy, I want to give that flower to God. Daddy replied, Well, sweetheart, instead of picking it, why not just say that God could have it? That will be a great gift. Emily smiled, very serious and sincere manner, 
looked up at the ah sky, closed her eyes. A hush silence continued for a long time. Ronnie was startled to hear her say, you're welcome. Ronnie knew that holy moment had been born from the sincere and quite astute heart of a three-year-old whose ability to listen to the voice of God had not been overwhelmed by the noise of this world. Oh, how God must have enjoyed that conversation. Maybe there are three types of people in this world. Those who hear God in squealing breaks, those who hear God in the flowers, and those who refuse to hear God at all. But the real hope for humanity is that God continues to beckon us. Whether in the bright light of day or the darkness of depression, God does not forget to call our names and bring us home. As we keep our eyes on Christ, let us think about Thomas. If Jesus was not resurrected, Christianity would not exist. Why wasn't Thomas with the disciples? Jesus does not condemn us because we have doubts. He knows from time to time we have doubts. People tell me stories about a young father rear-ended at a stoplight who becomes a paraplegic with a young family and ended up deciding to go on hospice rather than to continue to be a burden on his family. They say to me, where is God in that? That's a subject for a different sermon on a different day. Sometimes we hit a wall for any number of reasons and have doubt. Thomas had seen Jesus heal, calm the sea, and still doubted. Jesus wants us to take a step of faith and he will help us believe. He will show us how to continue our walk. As Shane Stanford, the author, says it best, doubt does that. It severs the most intimate connections of our existence. As a result, it is one of our adversary's greatest tools. Like a knife in hot butter, doubt cuts deep into our confidence and causes one spiritual malady after another. Low self-esteem, lack of direction, and paranoia. Doubt knows what to do with our failures, watering those seeds of guilt until they're full-blown weeds. The disciples felt the pain of guilt, for none of them except John had remained at the cross. They all left, abandoning Jesus when the hour came. Even if Jesus were really alive, could they face him? Perhaps that was bothering them with so much uncertainty of whether Jesus was truly alive, but the deeper fear. What if he couldn't forgive them? We all know the answer to that question. During times of doubt, does it affect our walk with God negatively or positively? I think it could affect it both ways. First, it could be a negative that we're doubting. It could be a positive in that what we're trying to build in our faith. In what ways might we strengthen our beliefs during positive and negative times? We could deepen our spiritual disciplines by journaling or being in a small group to model Christian life. It could help us feel enriched in the upbeat times 
and buoy us up during the challenging times. Before Ted's vision became a problem, he did a daily devotional time each morning. Lynn Sipe had suggested this particular devotional, which is in large print, and it's by the Daily Guidepost, and it's called a Spirit-Lifting Devotional. I order it each Christmas for him. After he would read from it, he would pray for everyone on our email prayer list and everyone in his prayer journal. Ted and I had our most meaningful Lenten season this year. We attributed it to Pastor Monica. In addition to the daily devotional from our Lenten bag, I read aloud, Lent in plain sight, a devotion through 10 objects by Jill Duffield, the book Pastor Monica used with her Lenten study this year. We used three other resources as well. We talked about the sermon series, along with the one-word prayers. We watched the church services that we missed on YouTube and Wednesday's Facebook presentation each week at the, at the noon uh, to one o'clock, and Pastor Monica does a, a little meditation, and that's helped to strengthen our faith. I'm sure that you would agree with that too. We have so many opportunities at the various stages of our faith to know who we're looking for, and we want to keep our eyes on Christ. This is the good news, and we're looking ahead for even more chances to view God's way. Amen.